I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. It's Friday here when we're recording this. And we're actually recording on the day we're releasing it. This never happens. Oh, yeah. Well, we're recording the intro because what we're releasing today is something that I recorded with uh, my dear friend and also fellow po- podcaster, Kyle Tierman. His Who's pod- the sweetest, most. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's an intelligent, awesome, surf pro surfer, really like great surfer. Yeah. And world traveler, environmentalist. He's fantastic. I'll see him at Zamin in Santa Cruz. I'm like, what's up, Kyle? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, and his podcast is called The Kyle Tierman Show. And so I go on his podcast. It seems like it's quarterly. I've been on there three times. It's once every oh, yeah. three or four months um, to talk about sex. And his podcast is usually, uh, it's, it's, he actually just likes to interview interesting people. Um, so, but a lot of it has to do with sex. You are interesting, Amy. I'm the interesting one that talks about sex. Yeah. And so we recorded it and decided we would co release it. He already released it on his, and we're going to release it on ours. April was not there for the As podcast. Traveling. So you get her right now, though. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm here. So it's Friday. It's before Valentine's Day, pre-Valentine's Day. Yes. And um, how you feel about Valentine's Day, Chip? You got plans? What are we doing? So for me, uh, I have this whole thing about Valentine's Day where... Fuck Valentine's no, Day. No, no, I don't do that. But I refuse to go out to dinner. I refuse to do those things. It's because too hectic out it's there. Hectic. It's like New Year's. It's I feel crazy. like my life is like a party, so I don't really go out for New Year's. And then with Valentine's Day, I feel like I want to show up for my partner uh, most other days. I did buy him a gift. Um, what did you get him? He doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't listen to the podcast. I got him a watch. Just oh, like nice. not an expensive watch or something, but he has had the same watch forever, and I just bought him a watch, and then I bought myself kind of like a matching one. Oh, you got to get something for you. I like it. I know. <laughs> so I got my partner, I got him a... Um, a liberator wedge. Oh. He, but it's mostly for his back problems. <laughs> but he was eyeing them. He's like, oh, I kind of want one of those. Like, it would be good for like the specific, they prop up my back, but also for sex. And I was like, oh, duly noted. I know exactly where to get those. Purepleasureshop.com. Yeah, there you go. I, <laughs> I, I so was many. thinking about a sex gift, but... Um, I mean, when I get when I give sex gifts, I also feel like this is kind of half-ass because I just obviously I went gave him the gift of anal last night. Does that count again? I did anal again. I was on top oh, wait, this time. This is going out before the episode that you actually talk about the anal. That's fine though. Everyone listen to the next episode because she actually talks <laughs> about the anal. That's fine. They get a preview. I did. She finally lost her anal. I virginity. lost my anal virginity, and then now this is the second time in. It was really fun, and I. Had an orgasm. Really? Yeah. Were you touching your clit too at the same time? Yeah, of yeah, course. Okay, See, this is something that's important to Got say. Got some weird snail trails on my couch now downstairs. Anal snail trails? <laughs> 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 They're probably not anal secretions. They're probably oh, from my back. Oh, God. I just, just picture you, like, you and dogs are scooting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, not I'm just picturing you doing that. Oh, but it's kind of cute. Uh, Why do you always compare me to a dog? 
you're cute. Talk about me pooing. <laughs> like, okay. I love you. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, you guys, we we were on the cover of the Good Times, which is our local. Uh, ma- I call it the magazine. It's not really a newspaper. It's a new it's it's, it's publication. Yeah, it's weekly. And it's, it's kind of a big Santa deal. Cruz. Like I grew up in Santa Cruz, so to be on the cover of it's kind of a big deal. And it's a picture of us. Um, I'll put it actually for this episode. That's why I'm going to put uh, as our photo. So if you go to shamelesssex.com, you can see the photo. But we look real cute. And I and have actually the article is is really well done. Really well done. The woman that wrote is awesome. She's I'm great. Excited to hang out with. They, her. She captured kind of our our personalities and also our mission and our goal because our goal in this podcast and in our lives, I think, is really just to to kind of open up, give people the chance to have abundance and everything you've ever dreamed of with like releasing your shame. And she really captured that. I actually cried and I don't cry when I read the article. I know. That's cute. I was like, oh my God, it's so special. So thank you, Santa Cruz. And that was what we said on Instagram. I was like, we love Santa Cruz and thank you for loving us back. So yeah, I'm glad you're back here, Chip. Santa Cruz loves you, obviously. I know. And it was really cool to see the, the good times being comfortable with Sex. Like, I have a book in my hand that just says sex on it, and you're drinking a glass of wine. April's abs, by the way, in that photo look badass. I work out six days a week for those. She's, yeah, she's working out. See me at the gym. (laughs) I'm like, she's (laughs) she's doing, she's like, (laughs) (laughs) heavy breathing. Um, Um, Yeah, so if you check it out, you can also go to gtweekly.com. You can read the article. It's really, really beautiful and really well done. And I'm holding um, a magic wand uh, in the inside portion. Everyone's like, is that a microphone? I'm like, no, that's a vibrator vibrator. that I use on a regular. It's their rechargeable one. That's awesome. But when uh, my partner opened it up, he's like, that's my nemesis. <laughs> that's the one that you had to go on a strike. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so. He's good. like, you were holding the nemesis. I'm like, yeah. Well, what can you do? Oh, that's cute. That's funny. It was funny. Are we gonna answer a sex question? Yeah. We're gonna, but first, I'm gonna read a review because we have oh, some yeah. really great reviews on our iTunes. Uh, and I would like to read a review or two because um, thank you so much. There's so many awesome five-star reviews. And even if you give us four stars, we love you. Three stars, we'll still love you. But two stars, we still love you. Whatever, we'll love well, you no we matter what. We look at each <laughs> a review, by the way, and we do take your feedback. So if for some reason you are still listening after a two-star review, which we only have one, I believe, um, and we've actually mitigated the issue that the, the two star was talking about, which well, was, we're working on it. Yeah. We're, we're always, we're, we're always working. Yes. Yeah. And we listen to feedback. We, listen. we love our listeners. So please, if you have a minute, write us a review. All right. So we have, uh, this one's kind of titled sex positive and candid by Navid John. I wonder if that's like J no, Navid is like Navid. Okay. Anyways, Navid John. <laughs> says, just what, it's five stars, just what the podcast world needed. Two sex-positive, confident women destroying shame and promoting healthy attitudes towards sex. Love this podcast. Woo! Awesome. Uh, another person says, great podcast. What a great podcast. More like a social service, really. Ooh, we're social service workers. We love these, everyone. This is so, so great. Oh, someone wrote a really nice long one that I'll read next time. Um, but wow, thank you so much. And How many you, reviews do we have now? I think we're at like 55, 56. Ooh. And we, uh, the, so this is what the reviews do, people. They help to get our podcast out there. The more reviews we have, uh, the more noticeable we are on things like iTunes. So if you haven't reviewed us already, please go to iTunes and review us. It should only take you a matter of two minutes. And what you have to do if you're already subscribed to our podcast is you literally have to search for our podcast again in the search box, find our podcast, select it, and then you can write a review. So And we do, so, we read all of the reviews. So I, lo- love I love them. We love them. We and love we love them you. Dearly. 
and then, yeah, so before we dive into Kyle's podcast, we're going to answer a sex question, and then we'll go into the podcast. The, the podcast I did with Kyle, um, before we do a sex question, uh, we talk about so many different things. We talk about um, how important play is in sex and relationships, how people forget to play, and um, talk about desire discrepancy and how the, the desire and, and touch shifts in the body. We talk about ways to initiate sex, about monogamy, non-monogamy, insecurities, a lot of Esther Perel's work. So there's a lot of really good stuff there in there. It's kind of all over the place, but in a really beautiful way. And he's such a great podcaster. Um, so I can guarantee you that you're all going to learn a bunch. And... Um, and then in terms of Valentine's Day, since it's coming up, I think we've said this on past podcasts. Yeah, our, that um, we have the Amazon link on our website. So if you're ordering anything on Amazon, please do it through uh, the link on our website. It's on our homepage. And you literally just click through there, place your order. It costs you nothing, and a percentage goes to us. Perhaps buy a book for your partner, for, like something where you can read together. I think that's always sweet. Or yeah, we've some erotica. Or check out some of our book recommendations on our website. Um, there's so many good ideas. You don't always have to give the gift of flowers. Give education. Um, I think that's a great way to just connect with your partner and be like, I care about this. I want us to go into a great place together. Yeah. So if you go to our website, um, you can order through there. And uh, and then you can bookmark it anytime you order through there. It, again, doesn't cost you anything and you helps support us out. You support us. So, okay, let's do a sex question. So oh, this is right. from that broke college girl who needs extra moolah. Uh, I like that <laughs> name. Um, hey, Amy and April. I was wondering your opinion on selling panties foot photos or fetish photos in general. I've been wanting to get into that for some extra cash being the broke girl that I am. But I feel a lot of shame for wanting to and I don't know why. I'm a confident girl who knows how to be smart and protect myself. I'm sexually confident and I don't normally shame myself. Do you have any tips for getting into that business or should I just stay clear of it? Ooh, I like this. I like I like her wanting to step outside of the box. I think it, kudos for wanting awesome. to step. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to just say one quick thing. I almost did this a few years ago. Oh, where, foot fetish? No, collected... Um, panties? <laughs> yes, Ooh. panties. And I was actually getting friends. I was like collecting a... Um, Collecting a variety of friends that I had with that vulva owning friends that I was like, hey, how do you feel about wearing these underwear for like, you know, a day and then giving them back to me? I'm going to mail them to Japan because there's a market for them. They'll pay like $14. You're going to be a, a madam. Yeah, awesome. kind of. A, a panty <laughs> madam. <laughs> so I thought about it. And, and then they actually did an orange in the, in the new black. Oh, the yeah, new black. I remember that. that but that show. was after. And I had this idea because of the fetch. So... No shame, um, broke girl that wants to make some extra moolah in your in that game. Like I say, it, it's basically it's not degrading or trafficking or doing anything. It it'd be consensual. Hopefully, you're going to pay the folks if there are other women involved um, or people or I yes, panties, other humans. Yeah, yeah. Humans, yeah, yeah. But I think that if you're doing it for profit and um and it keeps you happy you're entrepreneurial yeah. in it and Why you're not? paying fair wages to the folks involved and being open and upfront with them about where it's going i say go for it be the badass entrepreneurial spirited human that you are yeah i think we talk a little bit about fetish on our kink podcast and i want to say it's Actually, I have no idea what number that is. 14, 16, somewhere around It was there. in the teens. Teens. <laughs> yeah, it was in the teens. It's jailbait. And, uh, <laughs> and um, so uh, we talk a little more about fetish, but um, 
Fetish is uh, something that people would say is kind of like out of the norm that is highly eroticized. And there's different variations of that. Some people need the fetish to get aroused and some people don't have to have it to get aroused, but it definitely ups the arousal game for them. So it, um, it's there's and there's so many things. A fetish can be um, this little blue dress that April's wearing. It's made of the material that you call really it my nighty, but it's not a nighty. It's not a nighty. It's a dress. It's actually really cute. And and for me too somehow touch it or smell it or feel whatever it is some sort of thing something the sensations um gives gives creates arousal in me and so if i had it kind of more of as an extreme fetish i would actually need that to get aroused like something in the material to to have have that in my sexual play to get aroused and if it was more of a lighter fetish uh, it would just it would just kind of heighten that but i could still probably get aroused without it so um i just want to normalize fetish because maybe that is part of your shame broke girl who needs more moolah that um that fetishes themselves are already kind of feeling a little edgy for you but i want to normalize fetishism in general because i mean there's fetishes can come from all different shapes and forms and sizes right there's so many different things that people can fetishize and um and so i want to just normalize normalize that component and like i agree with april totally in the shame shame piece like fuck the shame around that if it makes you happy and everyone's consensual and everyone's happy there rock it and if it's just you you don't have to tell people if you feel safe about telling people about that go for it if you are choosing to do it on your own and not collecting other panties from other people panty collector yeah and i've had other sex working friends that have um had jobs where they literally just go in and let people touch their feet or let people lick their feet and get paid a shit ton of money for it and i'm like what's wrong with that they're choosing to do that and they're making money off of it and it's considered to be sex work but I don't shame sex work, and I think that as long as it's obviously consensual, yeah. then then go for it. If that's what you want to do, I say do what makes you happy. If it's something that you're being forced into, then that's a whole different story. Rocket bro girl who needs more moolah. Get yeah. it, get Feel it. good about that. Yeah. We're going to answer any more sex questions? No, we'll just do one today. We're going to keep it short and sweet because we have a whole podcast that we're going to feed to. And we're, in, we're doing two this week. Part of it is because it's Valentine's Day. Part of it is because I'm doing a dual release with the good awesome times. Kyle Searman. We were in the good times. And um, so you're getting an extra treat, a little extra something from us. Usually we release episodes on Tuesday, but now you get a special Friday edition. Friday. Huh? And you know what? Everybody, listeners, first of all, we say this all the time, but thank you for listening. Thank you you. for being an empowered human that wants to change or that wants to inspire change in others. And if there's someone that you know that would benefit from our words or listening, share this podcast with them. We have tons of different ways to listen. Obviously, um, you probably found it however you choose to listen to podcasts, but they can download it on our um, website. And you actually don't even have to download. You can listen directly from our website because that's been a huge question. Like, are people going to know that I download this podcast on Facebook? No, nope. it can be totally discreet and you actually don't have to download. So if there's someone that you think would benefit, send them to shamelesssex.com. They can listen on their own uh, without having the uh, the evidence exposed on their computer. Although dun, dun, dun. there's no shame in that. I'd be like, yeah, you're awesome Like for listening to sex podcasts. Yep, always room to learn. Always room to learn more. So I guess without further ado, I can't wait to hear Kyle's yep. pod, Kyle and your podcast yeah. together. You two have a nice chemistry. I want to say. And I'll tell you, we drank a glass of wine over it. So. Oh wait, we are drinking wine right now. I know we it's are. It's the Windy Oaks Pinot. Pinot no. So it's so good. If anybody, it's a local Santa Cruz mountain wine. And mm. if you are in Santa Cruz or if you are anywhere, it's Windy Oaks. It's at 
I think it's at Whole Foods, New Leaf, all those. I, I bought it at New Leaf, um, Staff of Life. It's but you, you might be able to get it. It's really good. It's about $27 a bottle, but it's worth it. it and it's worth it. You're worth it, Amy. Oh, uh, you're worth it. Chip. You're worth it. My little chip. Yeah. All right, everyone. So without further ado, the podcast with Kyle Tierman and myself talking everything about... Um, sexa. Sexa. <laughs> I would leave it at that. Ciao for now. Amy Baldwin in the house. Woo! She's back. She's back. Round three. Round three. Tucking sex and other things. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting the best of the best on the podcast. Yeah. For year two. Year two. Yeah. How's year two going for you? It's going great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so far, just knocking it out of the park one after the next. That's shot what it a big, like. Shot a big fish in the face today. Yeah. We're actually having a glass of wine to celebrate the fact that he shot a big fish. Yeah. In the face. Yeah, right out front of my house, too. Um, you can make fish tacos. We've made fish tacos tonight. That's why you needed to podcast at 7.30, huh? Exactly. <laughs> He's like, can yeah. I push it back? Brought some friends over, mm-hmm. diffused the responsibility of the murder. Ah, yes, it's not just yours. Good job. <laughs> exactly. I like that you're hunting. I mean, that's hunt. It's for whatever you... I mean, it's a form of hunting Absolutely. Yeah, can we call that hunting? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you're not hunting mushrooms, though. You're foraging mushrooms. I hate it when people say that. <laughs> I'm hunting them down. Yeah. I, will, I got I will, them. I will I catch them. They tried to them. run away from me. Yeah. They won't get away. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what's, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's good? Life is good. It's good to be back. Uh, Kyle tells me, Kyle, who's in front of me, that um, all you people, probably not all of you, some of you probably listen to me and you're like, she's crazy. She talks about sex. <laughs> uh, but that you uh, seem to be good, big fans of what I have to say. So I love sharing the good word. It's good to be back. And it's fun to talk to a different demographic from sh- the Shameless Sex podcast. You know, to talk to your podcast crew who probably isn't usually talking about sex 24-7. So it's good to bring the good word. My audience is just thinking about it 24-7. Aren't we all? Yeah. Or Well, yeah. I can't say I'm always thinking. I'm definitely not always thinking about sex. I'm, and I've also wondered at times, am I, am I jaded? Like, am I not thinking about sex as much because I talk about it so much for work? But I don't think I ever have been one to just think about sex 24-7. It just hasn't really been my operating system. Do you think, though, that because it's a less, less of a forbidden topic for you and because you've kind of dissected your own thoughts around it, that it's less of... Um this dark thing in the corner that that yeah. creates this kind of obsession. Definitely. And yeah, definitely. And actually an example of that today I um I had a session with someone who is do they're learning how to do some kind of like tantric work, like tantric coaching. They're not co- coaching me on how to do tantric work. They're actually doing this work as a form of healing for people and I'm their test bunny for it. And so I had this session with this person and in it they said what were they saying? They're using these words on me as they were like, just they were just lightly like caressing my body over my clothes to kind of turn up the sensuality, which I'll talk about in a little bit because I'm learning the power of that. But before I do talk about that, um, he was whispering to me, um, what did he say? He said, um, your skin loves this but you can't have all of it yet. Or like said it in this sexy voice. And, and it wasn't, I don't even, I didn't even know what all of it was because we weren't going to do anything too wild and crazy. There's a lot of, it was just touching over the clothes, but something about having this thing that I couldn't have, 
all of a sudden just turned up my eroticism, even though I didn't even know what it was. Like, I don't know what I, I, you're saying I can't have, and I don't even know if I want it, but, right. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, that sounds really hot all of a sudden. And so I think these conversations are always around me and are always available. So, um, there isn't a lot of turn on around them, but they still excite me because they're my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, I read a book earlier this year, or I guess it would be last year, called Pitch Anything, all about how to pitch yourself and pitch projects. And um, one of the themes of it was we want what we can't have. We chase, uh, we want what we can't have. We chase that which moves away from us and we only value it if uh, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Uh, the last part, I, I yeah, that one's a tricky one for me. I don't know about that one. We only value it if it's, it's expensive. Oh, it's, yeah. Or um, it might have been it. We only value that which we pay for, or okay. something around value. And I I totally agree with that regarding marketing. Uh-huh. There are a ton of stories of products that just raise or of companies that just raise the price on their product, and all of a sudden their sales go through the roof. Yeah. Because um, yeah, we value yeah we value what what we pay more for. Mm, yeah. right? You ever have uh, like someone bring over a nice bottle of wine? They're like, yeah, it was very expensive. Oh, now it tastes extra delicious. And really they could have put it in some two buck chuck bottle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or no, put the two buck chuck in the nice bottle. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I think that there is an element of psychology to yeah. that. Yeah. I, I guess I definitely have value. Like if someone gives me something that's a really thoughtful gift. So I didn't, I, and I don't know if it's expensive or not, but there's a lot of intention behind it I, I think I would definitely value that so I don't know if, if the, the the dollar amount would have much yeah to do with it, that, and I may have I may be misremembering that, that final one, that last section one, yeah. but it was something around yeah. value and uh-huh. I think that we definitely value that which we work hard for yeah you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that's a big issue that a lot of people in my generation are, are grappling with now is that it's, we have a lot of instant gratification. Yeah. Something regarding social media, you can go on there and you get this little dopamine hit. It used to be that you had to chop down a tree, <laughs> fucking just hit that tree with an ax for two days straight and blood and sweat. Yes. So you wipe your forehead and you say, that was a damn good day right there. <laughs> or you have to kill a fish. Yeah. Shoot it in the head. That's a damn good day. Yeah, it's a lot easier yeah. to go to the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, and I definitely. Uh, so essentially, what you're saying is similar to the grass is greener. So there's you know something that we can't have, or it's on the other side, and it's not ours. All of a sudden, it looks more enticing, and I have definitely experienced that, and I see that with the clients that I work with, and I think that is just uh, natural human behavior to um, to desire something that we can't have a cre- I think it, that itself is like the dopamine reward system is activated by it. it's just the, you know, the Pavlovian dogs salivating just I just want it something. right yeah yeah um, so once we recognize that about ourselves which I think is important once we name it then we can take more ownership over it mm. um, or at least learn how to use this these these beasts of minds that we don't fully understand better um how do we use that energy in ethical ways? Mm. Um, because I think a big, a big problem that a lot of people have is they, they want something until they get it. Um, you, you can speak to relationships yeah. on this. Um, and then once they have it, it's not so much exciting. It's not exciting anymore. Mm. And um, 
there can be a lot of damage done. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about this before. I know you and I have talked about this on this side. I don't know if it's just been on the podcast, but um, Esther Perel's work, and she does a lot of work on infidelity um, and monogamy and non-monogamy, but she does does talk about in this book called Mating in Captivity um, how we want this perfect balance of individuation and attachment with our partners, whereas because if we attach too much, so you know we're always by each other's side, we share everything all the time. We don't have our anything to talk about anymore. We don't have any independence, any stories to bring to excite each other with. Um, so you don't want too much of that. But if you don't have any of that or enough of that, then you're too individualized and you're just the connection's gone because you're so separate. And both of those things really affect desire and connection. And it isn't. It isn't her theory, but it's, I forgot where the theory comes from, but it's obstacle plus attraction equals desire. Uh, so, and, and the obstacle doesn't have to be like they're completely unobtainable or they're breaking your heart, but, um, but the minute we feel a hundred percent safe, like it's like their pants are in a double knot. So <laughs> you got like, I can't I figure can't this out. out. Yeah. Fuck. It's I really want to have sex with you now. Yeah. Uh, such an obstacle. Yeah. Turns me on even more. Yeah. It, t- it turned out the key to our erotic play was this, uh, s- book on sailing knots. And I just started just, tying just my changed. pants in these crazy knots. It he, totally worked. He couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and it was so hot. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, so that's, that's what the desire comes from that, that, that juice that comes out of that and so a lot of times in long-term relationships it's pretty um, natural for people to get so safe and comfortable and with their partners you all of a sudden they feel like oh yeah I got you you're not leaving me and I know marriage is just you know a ceremony and a whole bunch of paperwork and I, I mean I have some very personal beliefs about marriage and how um how I, I think it's kind of an outdated system um, or I don't think it necessarily fits all people I'll say that um but there's this idea that people think, one, when they get married, they're going to all of a sudden be really safe. Now you can't leave me, but you can. You can just pay a lot of money and a lot of annoying documents to get away. Um, and two, something about that, like that that now that we're married and that you're mine and I'm fully safe, now on, on the downside, it can change desire because all of a sudden the obstacle piece is gone. There's still attraction, but then you're like, why don't I want to fuck my partner anymore? Like what happened? It just, the newness and that spiciness is faded. So now that's, and it's not, no one's broken. It doesn't mean that it's hopeless. Now that's when we have to get creative and start to find new ways. How can we create newness and hotness while still in partnership, whether it's monogamous or non-monogamous? Um, and there's plenty of ways to do that. But a lot of times what will happen to people is they'll have to hit this this just low of all lows where they haven't had sex with their partner for like a year. And then they're finally like, okay, we need to do something about this. Fat on the couch, potato chips are getting caught between their... F- the flesh. The flesh. And, and then they say, we need to call Amy Baldwin. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, so first step. Um, well, we need it. I think that we need incentives for discovery and like to what creates excitement, what creates those um, wild summer lightning strikes of inspiration are when we when we are continually pushing towards those yellow zones, as you call them, like yeah. the parts that are dis- uncomfortable or yeah. like we, we maintain this kind of curiosity and rom- romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that gets lost very quickly, the light can dim. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we need a damn good tool belt to keep it fiery. Yeah. And keep that tool belt fresh. You know, they're always adding new tools into the tool belt. One of the questions I ask 
couple, couples or not just couples, but clients in my coaching practice, my sex and relationship coaching practice, uh, when they're not feeling desire, I ask, um, and this is what I've learned from my somatica training is, um, to ask them what makes them feel alive. You know, what in your life makes you feel alive or if nothing makes you feel very alive right now, because sometimes people, their whole life is just really dim, including sexuality. But what in the past has made you feel alive, just like so full of life and, you know, excited or whatever, vibrant. And how can we incorporate more of that? And also um, to remind them that they can have that in their sex lives. You know, most people um, have experienced at least at some point, some aliveness and related to sexuality. And, um, and so how, what are some, some things we can add to our toolkit or how can we use those tools to turn that up and feel more of that? And maybe it's not all the time, but feel more of that in our lives. Yeah. I was, uh, watching Esther Perel's Ted talk, um, mm. the other day on infidelity. Yeah. And she said that one thing that really stuck with me was that, a lot of people who cheat on their partners are deeply monogamous. But one thing that they all report is this feeling of aliveness. Mm-hmm. And it's a desire to find a part of themselves that they feel like they've lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it isn't necessarily like there's there's something missing in the relationship, which that can be part of uh, cheating is that something there was a need that wasn't met. That does happen all, often. And a lot of times it is. Yeah. Like you're saying, I lost a part of me in this. I lost that vibrance, that excitement. And you, there are people who are in perfectly wonderful, connected you know, relationships, marriage with children, and they have a great relationship they have good sex with their partner and they still cheat because there's something more and the the other things she also talks about is um entitlement not an entitlement like a narcissistic entitlement but in a we live in an age where we have so much access to knowing that there's so much out there that for us you know that we have we can see it on facebook we can see it on tv we can see everywhere in the conversations Um, we know that people want more and they know they can have it and so there's this this entitlement to i know i can have more i deserve more and that it's available and i'm gonna go get it and sometimes they go get it and then people get hurt along the way. And I'm not preaching for, um, for cheating or non-monogamy or any of that stuff. I'm just, I want to, I want to normalize, um, the desire for more in life, the desire to feel alive, that sexuality is a very big thing for people in terms of feeling that and getting that need met and also normalize that it is, uh, normal to desire someone other than your partner. It's, um, if someone is with someone for 30 years and they never feel something for anyone else, I would like to speak to them because I don't think that they exist. I just don't think that that's possible. And it doesn't mean when I say desire doesn't mean you definitely need to sleep with them, but just an attraction or I wonder what that would be like, you know, that that kind of thing. Or I think crushes in even in monogamous relationships are really healthy. I think that they can be fueled and are fueled in a really beautiful way where it can create this sense of aliveness. Like, Ooh, this is new and exciting because I'm attracted to that person. And, and maybe you're close to them, but I'm, you're going to, you need to have, you don't need to, but if you want to maintain the integrity in your monogamous relationship, of course you have boundaries and abide by them, but you can fuel it in a way that just raises that aliveness by by even like using some fantasy with it or whatever, but then coming back to your partner and you can bring that aliveness to your partner, even though you have that aliveness from this idea of something or someone else. I think it's completely natural, normal and healthy to do. It's just a matter of uh, integrity with boundaries and how you want to go about that. But I think that it can be really beautiful um, when 
when funneled in, in the, in not, I want to say the right way, but in a way that, um, abides by your relationship boundaries. What would that really look like? Because most people feel an immense amount of shame for Mm -hmm. even thinking certain thoughts. Um, and it can lead nowhere good. Yeah. Shame really leads. Oh, you know how I feel about shame. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, I had a whole podcast on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what does that, um, really look like? Yeah. Boy and a girl, they're in love, they're dating. Um, someone feels some desire for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Girls feeling, uh, some desire for the barista down at Verve coffee shop. He's so, maybe no, we're going to make her lady. Lady. She has a big crush on the lady barista and she's like, is that how you say barista? I don't know. Is, is, Is barista a, only women too. I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a body stow. All right, let's 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 yeah. let's start a new so story. On that, that one fell flat pretty quickly. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's, I'll just use myself. So I'm in a partnership. I would say I'm in a monogamous partnership, um, which I am, and um, we've been together for four years. This is true, um, and we're in it, and it's you know monogamous. I, I love this person. I'm super attracted to them. We have this close bond. We consider each other, you know, like life partners. And I meet someone that I'm attracted to, you know, that I, and, and for me, for me personally, I, there's so many qualifications for attraction now. Like I don't see hotness anymore. I see like attraction, but I see, I, you know, I'm attracted to, this is a total tangent, but you know, I have to see all these things. So anyway, so I see all these things and someone like, holy shit, that person is really attractive. And um, and I'm going to just kind of play with that in my mind a little bit and just kind of play with like, and really just sit with what that feels like. What does it feel like in that newness of being attracted to someone? Cause I know I see my partner and he's so beautiful. It's like the sexiest man I've ever seen in my entire life. And I still feel that way. And that newness still isn't there. It isn't that fresh, like, holy shit, his shirt is off. Oh my God, I must touch it. You know, that, that has shifted because we've been together for four years. Uh, so now what I do is I'm more active about it. I see him and I like, I go into that process for myself, like his shirt's off. Oh yeah. And he's the most sexiest man alive. Okay. Go to him. You know, it's, it's more of a pro and then, and then I get a lot of desire. Then I get a lot of arousal, but for this new person, I can just at least allow myself the time to just feel that aliveness of attraction, of newness, of a crush. And I have to, of course, if I have monogamy, a monogamous relationship and I have boundaries, I have to stay strong in those if I want, if I choose to, you know, that's what I want to do as I want to stay in integrity with my partnership. And so I'm not going to act on them, but I can really play with it and feel that. And it will make me feel more alive. It just will create more sensation in my body. My heart will start racing. I'll get a little smile on my face. And it just, it, it, and that, you know, that's that aliveness, that sexual energy, that arousal is life force energy. You know, that's fuel. When we feel that we, we're not about to, I'm not going to take a nap after that. I am like fully charged up and I just gave that to myself through attraction. And so, yeah, we get, a lot of people will feel shame about that. They feel like they're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed, if I love my partner or if I'm committed to them, I'm only supposed to be attracted to them. I think that that is super limiting and hurtful to a lot of people because that's not how humans usually work. Usually humans usually have um, at least attraction. If it's not desire, at least attraction to others. They are not completely blind to the rest of the world. So um, I think it's helpful to at least normalize it so so people don't fall into shame. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful way to put it. And we can, as you said, like there can be, 
healthy energy and unhealthy energy. Mm-hmm. Like brilliant thing the Catholic Church did a while oh, ago. Is, yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to masturbate? Like, ooh, you're a sinner. That's a bad thing. So you're going to take all of this energy that everyone's going to have mm-hmm. and then make them feel shame like, yep. mm-hmm. around this energy rather than using it and being like, I'm going to fucking get out today and crush the Whee! day. Like, ooh, yeah. I feel alive. I feel invigorated. I just had an orgasm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that it, our orientation to that energy is what matters most. And that's mm-hmm. what I heard you say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think also attraction to other can be used in a way. So there's, there's that's one version of it, right? That one version is that I keep it for myself in, in, and you know what Esther Perel would say is that, um, that's that's like maintaining some mystery. She actually doesn't believe in radical honesty in relationships and in, in, in conveying every little thing to your partner. Like, this is how I feel. And, oh, I saw someone I'm attracted to. You know, that's she thinks that she's I don't think she's necessarily against it, but she thinks some mystery is good and not like white lies or lies in general. But just some mystery like, like that. I think that would be a good example one of of, oh, I have kind of a crush on that person. I'm going to keep that for myself to have some mystery. I'm not going to act on it. And that's, of course, when we like, don't put yourself in silly situations where all of a sudden you're in alone in a bedroom with that person. Like, be careful about those things then. If you have an attraction, you don't want to act on it. Like, we all know when we're making choices that are putting ourselves at risk. Um, so that's one version of it is just for ourselves to play with. Another version is sometimes people do want to talk about it in partnership with each other. They have an arrangement with their partner where we actually are going to share our attraction about to other people. We are not going to act on it, but Hey, I just want to let you know, like I was talking to that guy over there and I thought he was, I'm really attracted to him. Like I was kind of turned on and some people could just be really triggered by it and, and get really fearful, you know, and choose to meet, think that that means there's something wrong with them. Oh, no, my partner's attracted to someone else. They must not love me. They must not be attracted to me, which usually is not the case. Or you could turn it into um, a way to, to, to fuel that hotness you feel feel the jealousy and the possessiveness as a means of creating some aliveness. Huh. Um, so that's yeah. Is that your? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk more about this because most people yeah. have a very negative connotation with jealousy. With jealousy. Yeah, Je- I mean jealousy. So everyone feels jealousy. Your most poly or polyamorous people who are in love with five million people or whatever their relationship setup is, they still feel jealousy. It comes up all the time. It's not about suppressing jealousy or getting rid of it it's about what you do with it it's how you work with it and how you react to it so um, we don't want to run from jealousy we don't want to shame jealousy and instead we can use jealousy as a means towards deeper communication and voicing our needs and where we're at so jealousy in that would be my partner says they're really attracted to this other person I'm not going to act on it but I just want to let you know I'm really attracted to them they kind of turn me on right now I could either go into a place of being really insecure about it or I could start to play with it. Well, you better not because you're mine, you know, or you get like in, in a loving way, not like bitch, you're mine, you know, but like Unless you're all, role playing you're all, on. yeah, you could yeah. just kind of, well, yeah, it is, but it is kind of going into this role playing like you're, no, you're, yeah, you're all mine, but oh yeah, you, you wish you could go that direction or like that, that girl or guy wishes they could have you, but you're all mine and you know what I'm going to do to you later to remind you that you're all mine or, you know, there's ways to go about it to, to use that possessiveness or that jealousy as uh, fuel for sexiness too. 
so we have choices. Not everyone can choose that because some people are, are so um, hurt, you know, have so much trauma around worthiness and, you know, maybe they've been cheated on or, um, and those are things that you can all work through, of course, but not everyone can just easily choose, yeah, I'm going to make jealousy really sexy, but they're available to us. What do you think is behind most people's fear of being cheated on? That uh, they're going to lose the love. Um, so if you cheat on, if you know, if you cheat on me with someone that you're going to meet someone's better than me and that you're going to leave me for them, some of it isn't even related to that though, because say they cheated on you and they're like, but I choose this. A lot of it is just this, this like, it isn't, I'm not going to say it. Some of it's pride. Sometimes pride's in the way. What is that's that's what is everyone going to think of me if I stay with you? There's that. There's also the, a lot of the stories about what sh- what love should and shouldn't be. You know, a lot of people think that people who love people shouldn't hurt them, but people hurt each other all the time. One of my mentors was on our podcast on Shama Sex on talking about non monogamy, and she was saying that um, when people are doing repair work, you can't say, I'll never hurt you again, ever. You can never say that because you're always going to somehow hurt someone. And there is, you know, there's no hierarchy of hurt. You can hurt someone by saying, I'm going to call you later and you don't call them. Um, so so there's there's this understand this, this is misconception. If you love me, you wouldn't have done that. Well, they love you and they did it like that happens. So we need to get away from that, that this is not what people who love each other do. People who love each other make mistakes. They make, they make selfish choices. They're out of it. You know, they have moments where they're out of integrity. It, it, it happens. And what matters is what are we going to do with that? You know, what are, how are we, how are we going to work to, to come into integrity? How are we going to grow from it? You know, if someone's not willing to grow from it and they're like, yeah, I did that thing, but whatever, fuck it. Then <laughs> probably not the best person to stay in relationship with. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fear of losing love, I think goes more towards like people who are fearful of non-monogamy. You know, there it's the fear of if we open the relationship up, you might now have the opportunity to meet someone that's better than me. Um, so that's a worthiness issue, but people meet people all the time, even in monogamous relationship that, that they might still be attracted to, or they might think have certain qualities that are better or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of the fear. I'm not, I don't want to say irrational, but it's created around a lot of old stories. Right. Yeah. And I think also like sense of self. Yeah. Um, it's huge. Like there's a, in a relationship, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of expectations put on people, you know, like mm-hmm. you're my best friend. You're my, you're my everything. You're my everything. You're my intellectual, <laughs> you're my confidant, every, you know, so if one person betrays the other, does that tear down this idea that we had of them? And I, th- yeah. I think that like, so I think about this a lot. Like I, I think it's so great that we talk about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because so often we, we're uneducated about how to deal with emotions well. So it, the conversations stop at like, well, she's a bitch, bro. Like never talk to her again. Or like, you can get so uh, many chicks, dude. You don't need her. (laughs) You know, it's, and no one grows or learns. And, um, and this, so I think that this kind of honesty is really important. Yeah. Well, we, we do the work so we can play. That's why we work. And I think right. what you're, I hear what you're saying is so what I'm hearing is, you know, and we've talked about this before is a lot of people get caught up in the work. You know, once they do the work on something, it's like, what's the next, next piece of work as about, as opposed to basking in 
the whole point of the work was to come to a place where you could just be and play and enjoy and celebrate. And a lot of people forget to do that. It becomes all about the work, even even outside a relationship. People are doing it for like self-help all the time. You know? So you're just constantly reading self-help after self-help book after self-help book and going to you know an ayahuasca ceremony and then going to a therapy session. And you're like, well, how, what are you doing to celebrate and enjoy your life? A lot of people just forget to do that. It's such an important thing. I mean, I think everyone can agree that that's why we're working is so we can enjoy life. Yeah, but we forget that. Yeah. And then people, some people just like, oh, yeah, I just had let life pass by and didn't take a moment to really enjoy and celebrate. I have a natural tendency to just enjoy and celebrate. So that really isn't a struggle for me. And I also have a natural tendency to do a lot of work. But I my, my overall temperament is very light and playful and easy uh, and it has a lot to do with my childhood and the way I was raised with my with my mom and a lot of love. Um, and so that isn't a struggle for me. But um, I know a number of people that it's really hard. It's, it's hard for them to remember to play and to celebrate and go into that lightness. They, they have to really practice that. Right, which like <laughs> in itself, like, all right, we're going to practice how to we're play practice right now. We're practicing playing, yeah. <laughs> Babe, we're going to play right now. Yeah. This shit's so, supposed to be fun. So what do we do? <laughs> yeah. We write down all the things we like to do. Yeah. We're going to categorize that list. And then <laughs> we're going to write a book about it. We're going to write yeah. a book about the best way to enjoy and, ourselves. And we're going to have it. Oh, wait. I'm not having fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess there's a couple of things going on there. You know, one play might be associated for a lot of people with like immaturity. You're not taking life seriously, especially if your parents are really hard on you. You know, you need to take life seriously and stop fucking around, you know, to their kid. And so they finally feel like that, you know, they at some point they need to stop being light and silly or playful or whatever. And then when I say light and silly, it doesn't have to be that play can be so many different things. Um, but when that somehow gets this like stigma of as if that is a sign of immaturity or um, irresponsibility, then and the, and then those people live a portion of their lives not doing that. And then all of a sudden they have to learn all over again. Right. Yeah. How do you play, Kyle? How do I play? Yeah. Tell us how you play. Like in my partnership or in... All life? the ways. All the ways. <laughs> um. How do I play? Shoot fish in the head. Shoot fish in the head. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, it, it's interesting is like sometimes like when we start having our passion become too in line with our um, work, mm -hmm. that play can become convoluted. Like surfing, I, I would consider playing for me, Yeah. but I've had to do a lot of work around mm -hmm. my relationship <laughs> with surfing yeah. to make sure that I can still keep enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like sometimes play for me is, um, there's aspects of my life that have like no bearing on what my career is. Like I'm like playing ping pong, like that shit. I love playing ping pong. <laughs> I fucking smoke people at ping pong too. And there's a big competition. Yeah. And that's still fun, playful. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes shit gets intense. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I lost in a, big ping pong game one time. So I went down to a spot called the Portuguese hall, Santa Cruz <laughs> table tennis club. They uh -huh. practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So <laughs> I joined Takes it real for seriously. about a year. Mm -hmm. I got real good at ping pong. Good job. And I beat that kid. And then did it, <laughs> did it lose its fun though? As at some point, did it take a turn to stop being play? Um, or did it stay play? Yeah. I mean, I did. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I'm competitive by nature. So, okay. or, 
I, I like getting better at things. Yeah. For me, like I, th- I think that, f- like whether it's in a relationship or in life, like I like to figure things out mm-hmm. and be like, okay, this isn't working. Like, you know, like I'll do this in my relationship sometimes, where it's like, okay, there's something that we need to figure out here. It is very like type A mm-hmm. of me. Um, yeah, I'm like that too. Yeah, because I do think that sometimes, like, it's just misunderstandings that lead to a lot of the world's woes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I do think that it's good to clarify. Yeah, we clarify so that we can go into a place of lightness once again. And and we're, we, we're doing that work to come into into this to the to the light or to the joy or whatever right. i like the word joy lately i've been using the word joy a lot like so i th- so we are in a culture lots of right now where we um we are entitled to happiness right? mm-hmm. we think that if we're not happy all the time there's something wrong with us yeah um but is but i really like what you say that we do the work so that we can play like let's say that someone's in a relationship where they feel like uh the light is dimming Mm -hmm. And they haven't really been able to articulate like what it is. What are some steps that you would recommend they take with their partner to gain that aliveness so that they can continue to enjoy it? Yeah. Well, I think the first step is to get clear on where you're stuck. And a lot of times it would be looking at if there's any resentments that need to be cleared in the relationship, you know, old stuff that people were hurt by that they're not talking about that need to be cleared out so that, because that, if that stuff isn't cleared out, all the other stuff is pretty hard to get to. It's like the foundation. You have to go heal those cracks in that foundation. So work through those resentments either together or together with a therapist or a coach or whatever that looks like. Um, and then get clear on what you feel like has shifted in the relationship. You know, where what is what has changed? Is it because we're together all the time? We don't go on dates anymore. You don't we don't try to touch each other in new ways. Um, we're not spicing things up. We don't even have time to be intimate. You know, getting clear on those those things of what is getting in the way of that and creating that that dimness. Um, and then from, and some, so that it, it will depend because some people are just really disconnected from their bodies. And if that's the case, then the next step would be for them to work on getting back in their bodies and connected to their sensuality. Um, some people just get really busy. They have kids, they have jobs, they get into a routine of not connecting. And that's really common for people who have kids actually, um, just, yeah, having kids changes sex lives. <laughs> There's like no way around it. And uh, so if that's the case, then setting date nights and um, and times where we can just be intimate together or um, just yeah, having a schedule that allows for those moments of connection um, or changing the way you when you when you come home and you actually see your partner as well as like, hey, honey, how was your day? Like making a rule to set down all your stuff, sit down or lay down with your bodies wrapped around each other for five minutes. No words, just breathing together and then having a conversation for 10 minutes and that's how you always come together. Um, it really, it just really depends on where people are, but a lot of it is we are getting stuck in our routines and we're forget, especially in long-term relationship, we're forgetting that we need to continue to do the work so that we can continue to play. And it's yeah, just figuring out those levels. And then if we want to, and then once we get through those things, then, you know, I have clients sometimes that are coming to me for really heavy stuff and I have some that are coming to me and I'm like, well, why are you guys here? And like, we don't really know. We just want to spice it up a little bit. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, what do you want to learn about? And, 
when they're like female ejaculation or sex toys or whatever it is, they want to add more spice. You know, we like we're connected. We have pretty good sex and we just want to know what more is out there that we can add to spice it up. And that to me is a form that's play right there. You know, adding new tools, whether it's sex toys or new skills or role playing or just new ideas or conversations. Um, are different ways that we can play. And that's why when I talk about sexuality, I often talk about it as playing. You know, I don't say like we're having sex where, you know, it's playing. Um, but for some people, they want it to be, you know, it's different for everyone. Some people want lovemaking or they want fucking or whatever their thing is, divine fucking. I really love that one. Um, but yeah, w- it's just, just figuring out what sounds good to you and how can we add that, add more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's strange to me how when I think about how many people only get touched in sexual ways, mm-hmm. like, or like, not even, but or, yeah, or not yeah, even, yeah, yeah, or not, yeah, not at all. People mm-hmm. just don't get to touch each other. Do you know about the Japanese cuddle salons? No, do people pay to cuddle? People pay to cuddle in Japan. Well, they were trying. I heard about one in the UK too, and. There are people who throw, well, there are people who get paid in the States. Uh, I know there's like a training for to be a professional cuddlist. It's the thing. You can pay someone like 60 bucks for an hour of cuddles. How do we become a pro in cuddling? Yeah. Is it like... Um, I don't really know exactly what they're training. You know, like in, in Japan, it's like, okay, it is uh, you know, $20, $20 to uh, have me spoon you. It's $40 to have me gaze deeply into your eyes and Ooh. stroke your hair. Wow. But like, people, some people need... I mean, so people don't have access to that. These are important things. For, you know, eye gazing is connection and being seen. Um, having your hair stroke or your skin stroke creates oxytocin and is, is a really important experience for the, the body and the hormonal system. And, um, you know, we can do it to ourselves. I think I, I kind of told you about this a little bit, but, um, I was uh, in a, in a ayahuasca ceremony this last weekend and I was, um, in it just st- noticed that I had these hands. I mean, I always knew that, but <laughs> I had these hands like, why don't I touch my whole body with them more often? I actually don't really touch my whole body with them at all. And so why don't I just make it a practice of taking them and rubbing them up and down my body as if it's some other hands that are romancing me and caressing me and adoring me really slowly and sensually. And I started doing it in the ceremony and it felt so good and so profound because everything does. (laughs) Uh, And then I eventually, you know, my hands eventually found their way to my heart and I held myself, you know, hugged myself in a way that felt like it was the best way anyone's ever held me before, but it was by me. And, and I was finally at home in me, you know, I've been home many times in myself, but really fell into that place. And, and in that, I realized how I always knew how important touch was and that, but in that I was like, Oh, I can give that to myself. And it's more powerful to receive it from someone else. And it's a really, really, um, I mean, people crave it. Their skin literally crawls for when they don't get it. You know, people, a lot of people, especially super touch people, they need it and they want it and they're hungry for it. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of, kind of love ourselves. Yeah. Like we say shit to ourselves that we would never say to other people. I I like what you're saying about like, just like rubbing ourselves in non-sexual ways. Yeah. 
damn, like, yeah, we have this, we have these bodies here. Let's, let's yeah. enjoy them. Why are we touching them? I, now I'm like the girl that's constantly like rubbing her breasts. <laughs> like, just, shit, she's yeah. on ecstasy. It just, yeah, I'm just on natural ecstasy. It's like, I'm going to start rubbing my breasts here. That sounds good. Oh yeah, it's feeling good. Nice breasts. I love you so much. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think about this a lot that I, I kind of touched on it earlier about how like people, people cheat because they're searching for a a, se- a sense of self that they feel like they've lost mm. or they feel like they, they want to have. Like I, I, I think that all of our relationships and really everything that we do is on a certain level, um, just to get to know ourselves better. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like whether that's a, a difficult physical activity, like I wanted to go hike the PCT by myself because I wanted to know that I could do it. Yeah. You know? Or like that's the you know, extreme version of it. But, um, all of our partnerships, all of our friendships, mm-hmm. you know, we, we remember, I, I, I heard something that I, I really liked. It was like, we don't remember what people do. We don't remember what people said. We remember how they made us feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at funerals, you know, we're all walking around like, I remember it's all in that person's relationship to us, how yeah. they made us feel at a certain time. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. No, I think that that's definitely uh uh, a key thing. And, you know, we're all mirrors for each other. We're all, we're all there to, to kind of, um, reflect on each other. And we're choosing who is our mirror. Of course, we're choosing who we want to relate to and who we want to connect to. And, um, and we're projecting all over the place, all over the people in our lives and in relationships, especially in, you know, intimate relationships, those people become mirrors and projectors, projector screens for your whole life, your whole childhood, your parents, everything. We're just like, shoom, shoom, shooting all this stuff on you. Um, but in, and part of it is because I, I do agree that it's, it's helping us or we're looking to work out old stuff, old parts of ourselves that we either neglected or were hurt or we lost. And so we're projecting it here. You are hurt or a trigger. You know, I'm, I'm upset when you do this. And um, most likely I'm upset when you did this because of something that happened to me that wasn't even related to here. Otherwise I probably wouldn't be that upset about it. And what, when I'm upset about that, it's because when that other thing happened to me back in the day, something in me was lost where my needs weren't met. Maybe I neglected myself and now I'm trying to solve it all over again. And so to a certain degree, it's a healthy practice to, to work out old stuff, but it's not fair to project it and expect your partner to solve it for you right so there's a way to do it in a in a helpful way and there's a way to do it in a way that um is just a lot for another person to take on for you but i think at the end it does come down to parts of you that um that didn't get what they needed you know that's in this this i'm doing a training in march i'm doing a hakomi training it's a um it's a holistic psychotherapy training for a year and to incorporate in my practice and um, a lot of what they do is is this therapeutic practice is using mindfulness and compassion um, and really meeting people where they're at is giving them the missing experience that they didn't get when they were hurt. And that's what everyone's looking for. Whenever we're hurt right now as adults, we're looking for the missing experience of something we didn't get when we were hurt a long time ago. And we can get it now and we can get it. We can give it to our partners. We can give it to ourselves like I'm doing with this, this you know, this self-touch. We can get it from therapists. And I'm rubbing my foot Yeah, right you're now. doing it, yeah. Yeah, now you're now everyone that's listening, are you all touching your they're all yeah. like, Yeah, I'm gonna rub my breast. Oh, it feels my good. Next cranked out right yeah. now. And I suggest rubbing the parts of you that you don't like. 
you know, the parts mm. of you, you know, you don't like your belly, start rubbing your belly, like grab at it, grab at that flesh, but don't grab at it and judge it, grab at it and notice the softness and the textures or the smoothness, or maybe even saying things to yourself like, well, maybe I don't love myself, but I'm, I'm practicing, you know, I'm, I'm learning or just the parts of you that don't normally get touched that your partner doesn't touch or that you're normally trying to run away from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll probably look back at yourself 50 years from now and say, that was a lot more beautiful than I thought I was. Yeah, you totally will. <laughs> Why was I so hard on myself for so many years? Yeah. Oh, God. Negative self-talk. We were we were talking about this, about negative self-talk and how it, how my, I asked you if you have a lot of it and that runs through. And I've heard you talk about it on podcasts that you've had times where you've been kind of like hard on yourself in your own process there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that there's this balance, right? Because I, w- I want to get good at stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really enjoy the art of learning. Like, you you were talking about play. And, yeah, there is an element of me that just likes to goof off. But I, I would say a, a bigger element of my personality is that, like, I, I like to learn. I like to figure stuff out and get... And, um, you want to grow. I want to grow. Mm-hmm. I want to grow. And I, want, and, and I, I look at things like they're problems that I can figure out how to solve. And, um, I think that there's a balance between, um, not like, I don't want to resent myself or hate myself if I, if I can't figure it out and be like, Oh God, I suck. I'm so stupid. It's like the difference between I am bad or I did something bad. And I think that I've gotten a lot better, a lot easier on myself. Um, because I realized that um, having that negative self-talk for a long time, I thought made me unique and interesting. Like <laughs> I'm this kind of like dark, but like I'm dark and brilliant. But like really, like oh, no, everyone issues. fucking has negative self-talk, yeah. and uh, it's it's neither brilliant nor unique. Mm-hmm. What's unique is be is like truly being curious and truly learning. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other side of that, right, like you can't be too big of a fan of yourself. Yeah. Like people who just think that they're great at everything, like they, they really aren't. Like yeah. there is that element of like, damn it, like I, I, I want to figure this out that, mm-hmm. that makes us good. So it's balance. Uh, yeah, I always play with that, but I think that I err on the side of being too hard on myself still. Um, but podcasts have really helped me with that because I get to sit down with people who I really respect um, and people who are a lot older than me and have, have had those experiences. Um, and they're just easier on themselves. Like people, people who are older tend to be a little bit easier on themselves and they're more humble. Yeah. yeah. And I realized that it's, it's just counterproductive and it's wasted energy. Yeah. It's a, there's a, we just waste so much energy having negative self-talk. Um, and yeah, I had, um, I had Jim Fadiman on my podcast. He's this psychedelic guru and he said, um, and psychedelics have also helped me quite a bit be easier on myself. But he said, when people take mushrooms, um, it's common that they'll get the giggles and it's not, um, it's not the, the, the kind of giggling laughter that you get from weed. It's, it's this, usually it's this deep laughter and it's the laughter of how could I have forgotten who I really am? Mm, I love that. Yeah. I've had, I've had that experience a number of times, um, with different psychedelics. Um, 
part, I guess it's a how can I forgot where I am, but this laughter, like with psychedelics, where I've experienced this divine oneness of everything. And it's this laughter of like, of course, you know, it's just, this is the, this, of course, this is what's, I knew this. And I was actually talking about this the other day with someone where when they have a realization with something in, you know, in that space, in a psychedelic space, and they're, but they're like, I already knew that though. And I was like, yeah, but you knew that you conceptualize it, but you actually didn't embody it. It's a big difference between when our system embodies it and the psychedelics can help us to fully embody that, that's that feeling however we feel about ourselves or the world that everything is one or that, Oh, here I am. I've always been here. Or I'm wonderful or lovable. And, um, it's, I mean, it really is back to like what I had said earlier, you know, coming home. Oh, and we're always, we are always home, but, and maybe we conceptually we're like, yeah, I'm in my body. Of course I'm here. And a lot of us don't feel that way. A lot of people don't feel like they're connected to this. They don't, a lot of people don't like being in their bodies or in their lives or in their existence or they don't feel safe in it. So it's it's that when you get that feeling, ugh, it's just so. Yeah, I, I tend to describe um, psychedelics not as this feeling of like tripping out or blasting off into this universe, but the feeling of coming home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I this last experience I had was like was one of my um, most, I've, I've come home to the divine oneness many times, but to come home just to me in like to Amy or whatever that, whoever Amy is, um, was that this was really the first time of that. And it was really, really special. And, and I think keen, you know, tying that to sexuality, that is an important piece in my journey and being a sexual being, because if I'm not there, if I'm not home in me, how am I going to be fully connected to all of my sexual potential? How am I going to share and connect, you know, all of myself to someone else when I'm not even fully here? And I think I've talked about this before in your podcast, you know, having an, uh, I had an abortion a year ago. I got pregnant on the IUD. Um, I had, had the IUD for nine years. You can have it for 12, everyone. That's not too late, just so you know. Um, and was with, with my partner I've been with for a long time and still got pregnant. And was in no place to uh, have a child. So I had an abortion and it really disconnected me from my body. I was really in my head because my head and my body weren't agreeing. Body was like, we're doing this. And my head's like, no, we're not. Um, that's really, and I had to be pregnant for a month before I could have the abortion. Wow. So that's really just kind of hard for the system. The like, it, And so and the, my body wasn't safe. So I just came up into my head. And so I spent pretty much all of 2017 trying to get back into my body. My sexuality felt really turned down. Um, and it was, it was just really, really hard to do. And, um, and so what I've been trying to do is create these practices, is these practices, to, the sexual practices, you know, I'm going to, um, every day I'm going to do something uh, related to my sexuality, whether it's, I'm going to masturbate or I'm going to learn something about sexuality, or I'm going to do some sexual breath work, whatever it is. What I just realized is that I've been passing up a whole important step and that step is coming home to myself and self-care practices that are related to sensuality, but not sexuality. When I just jump and I'm not in my body and connect to my sexuality and I just try to jump right to sex, like I'm going to start having more sex to connect to my sex. I miss I just, I just like completely pass up. It's like, I'm trying to take the fast lane. And so now what I'm realizing for me, and this is, might just be for me, I can't speak for everyone, but what I, what's more important to me is for me to every day connect to my sensuality by, you know, that slow touch of my own body or whatever it is of, of in breath work, I think can be a part of it. And 
sexuality now is a bonus for me. When I put made sexuality the goal, which is everything that goes against everything I teach, right? I'm so anti-goals. I'm so anti like making orgasm a goal because then it's so much pressure. But I've been pressuring myself over this last year to get in, back in your sexuality. Like I want that fire 100% turned back on and you're going to do it through this, this, and this. I just, I pressured myself. I, I, and I, and it really comes down to, I need to be home in me through this loving self-care through my sensuality and then the sexuality will come too. And I'm totally feeling that. And the minute I took that approach, I have more fire. I have more connection to me, but you can't pass up coming home first. Like it just, it's just not. You got to preheat that oven. Yeah. You got to heat that oven. I forgot what practice it's. What do they say? Um, Women are like water and men are like fire and you must, there's this, what is this? This is like a Taoist practice. You, something about how to like, I don't, I'm not going to say it right. So uh, some, some Taoist person, you got to call call into Kyle and talk about this, but it's something about heating the water, like for, for women, you know, they say, or female bodied folks, you have to like heat the water first, but the water has to heat for a while to heat up. I'm not saying this. Yeah, well, this is what I was talking about <laughs> earlier though, how many people only get touched in a sexual context and it how unhealthy right that is. Right for the genitals. Right. This is like the number one complaint I have. Not, I have so many number one complaints, but <laughs> but big complaint people in long term relationships once they figure each other's bodies out, they just go right to the genitals. Or even on long term relations, people are just hooking up. They're just like they're not praising the whole body. They're just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna kiss you. Okay, cock. I'm gonna kiss you. Nipples. Pussy. Right. Yeah. It's just, and people are craving that. Like, no, I want some forearm action. I want you to lick the inside of my, not my armpit, my, <laughs> of my, well, what about the, what's the, what do you call this part right here? What the, the weenus. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a weenus. <laughs> the weenus is the outside of the elbow. No, I know. <laughs> do you like <laughs> your, do you like your weenus touched? No, the weenus is a very, uh. Un, you can't feel the weenus. You ever you ever play it like do the weenus thing where you like touch like you you pinch the skin. Yeah, it's yeah. the skin on the outside of your elbow. Yeah, I like to play with it sometimes. And if you and you can like we, I would do this in elementary school. You could hold on to it and you squeeze as hard as you can. You say, I can't feel that. I can't feel that. Um, can't feel your weenus. But yeah, it's it's. The whole body. Got to touch it. Got to just touch it in a non-sexual context. Yeah. There's so many yummy spots on them. And everyone's different, right? Are you an ear person? Do you like your ears touched or licked? Yeah, I'm a big ear person. I get weak in the knees. Me too. My whole, I get instant goosebumps over my entire body. Some people hate it. Some people are like, why are you touching my ear? You know, everyone's different. Some people are going to love when you caress and, and kiss the back of the neck or the lower back or, um, you know, the underneath yeah. of the thigh and some people won't, but it's worthy of exploring. Yeah. I had a weird experience though. Uh, so I'm a surfer and well, no one knew I was a surfer, but <laughs> I, have a, um, I have surfer's ear. I uh-huh. surfer's ear for a while. So there was a whole summer where my right ear was clogged off and, uh, like my girlfriend would like kiss my ear and it was this weird experience because when you like the, it's the, there's this sound in it that you don't think about when your ear is getting mm, licked mm-hmm. and when it's closed off, it feels like you have this fish tank head. <laughs> so then it, it completely changed the experience for me. Like I would go surfing. It, people, people don't know like surfer issues and sexuality, like all you surfers out there, you ever been on top after a long day of surfing? Oh, and then all the water comes out of your nose. Nasal drip. Yeah. I've seen that before. It's a big deal. It's like a waterfall. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my, my bad. My bad. <laughs> it's just salt water. I swear. Oh my god. I am. Um, I was. Uh, I used to get bloody noses a lot as a kid. Just my my. That's just. I was like that kid on the playground who would just for no reason, nothing would touch my nose. I just get a nosebleed, especially when the seasons changed. Um, and sometimes though, when I in my my sex life, um, when I get really aroused, like you know, the, the endorphins start going. Um, I've gotten nosebleeds before from it, just from being like so what? super aroused. I mean, I've had this happen where I'm on top of someone who's oh, like that's a, fucked, up. and all of a sudden I just start gushing blood all over them, and it's like looks like a crime scene. Luckily, they were also nosebleeders, so they handled well. Yeah, handled it well. Oh, that's intense. I know it's blood. Like that's not the one that's not the salt water is one thing but like getting covered in blood so i think i got it worse kyle but yeah. it doesn't happen anymore as i get older the nosebleeds they're not yeah. so bad yeah that kid what have you um what have you found nowadays like you're so you're talking about like number one complaints that uh-huh. you get like in society now what do you think most people in sexuality deal, in sexuality yeah. deal with and come to you for um, well, a lot of people don't know it, but they're coming to me for shame, issues around shame and c- conditioning that isn't serving them. But they're coming to me with a, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me or with my relationship or with my partner. Um, and most of the time it's related to a, a lot of shame or trauma, whether it's physical trauma or shame from the messages that people got about who they should be or should not be as sexual beings. Um, but yeah, the, never, I, the things I get is people with low desire or just dis, what we desire discrepancy, which means that if you have two or more people, um, one person feels a lot of desire and one person doesn't. Um, so there's this big difference, you know, or maybe both people don't feel desired, but that wouldn't be a discrepancy. It would just be, oh, well, I guess they're probably okay with that, but I guess we're not going to have sex, <laughs> <laughs> which there are people that do that, but that's a big thing. Desire discrepancy, um, I get a lot of people that are um, in, you know, in relationship, having just stuff, communication breakdowns in relationships, you know, they're looping, you know, they, they're just, or they're, mo- a lot of most people just aren't saying what's really going on because it doesn't feel safe. You know, I, they're not sharing their hurts or their feelings or the way they're doing it is very blaming. It's you do this, like, you know, or they're screaming at each other or you made me feel this way. And um, so I'm helping them to look through to kind of sort through and to understand how we can communicate in a way that is loving and empowered, um, which is works works wonders for for relationships. Um, let's see, what else am I dealing with? People, um, worthiness is always a huge thing. Although when people are coming to me for worthiness, they just don't know it. You know, they're again, it's one of those underlying things. Like every single human has worthiness issues. Every single person has something around worth. And some I'm Austin, that ping pong game, I'm still dealing. I know with you're that. just like oh, I hate myself. Fucking Austin, oh, I hate myself <sighs> so much. Yeah, but worthiness in relationships. My backhand, my backhand spin isn't good enough. <laughs> I am not good enough. You need to practice more. Shame on you. No, you're never going to do it again. <laughs> Shame never serves anyone. Um, yeah, so worthiness in relationships. It can. So when it comes to sex, though, it can it can get in the way of so many things. People don't feel. Um, they feel issues around like the insecure worthiness issues around their body image. Sometimes they won't get on top. Sometimes they won't initiate. Sometimes they just won't have sex in general. They won't have sex with the lights on. You know, there's a lot of things that come into play with that. Um, so uh, something that feels like 
it isn't related to sex can just totally leak over into it and take over. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's a really big thing for people. Ooh, you know what I want to talk about was initiating sex. I really want to talk about that. Cause I just talked about that a little bit just there. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about initiating sex. Okay. So everyone wants to feel wanted and desired like so badly. And some people want to feel more than others, but for the most part, everyone wants to feel wanted and desired and it can come down or we can relate it to childhood from wanting to feel wanted and desired by, by our parents. And a lot of people don't feel that way with their upbringing. Um, and I'm not talking about people that were just like adopted or whatever that is, but a lot of times people had parents that, um, never told them that they loved them or that they did a good job. You know, they always felt like they were just this troubling little kid that was a hassle for their parents. Um, but in adult relationships, we feel making someone, I don't want to use the word making. Um, everyone wants to feel wanted, desired, and we have the opportunity to make our partners feel that way. When we get in long-term relationships, we often stop doing that. Or we don't do it as much. And I am guilty of that. I am guilty of getting really comfortable and forgetting that um, I need to continue to do that. And I do do that, but um, that I need to do it a lot and in new ways. So by making our partner feel wanted and desired, if we say you're really hot and we say it all the time, it's not making them feel wanted and desired anymore. We need to get creative and create new ways. How what are some new ways that I can make them feel wanted and desired? Now, what I wanted to say was... Not everyone is good at talking. Not everyone is good at using verbal communication. I love you. You're so sexy. I just can't get enough of you. I want to rip your clothes off. I want to suck your cock. You know, whatever. Maybe not everyone's good at that. If you are good at that, awesome. Say a lot of those things. We can make people feel wanted and desired silently, though. We can make people feel wanted and desired by literally coming up to them and ripping our clothes off and laying down and presenting our body to them and, and essentially, in no words, saying, take me. You know, it's... It's so when people are saying, I'm just not good at that, you know, there's so many ways to do it. And there's a lot of really good ways that are that are related to how we communicate, because some people aren't really great at verbal communication, especially when it comes to sex, especially when there's shame around that. Um, so I, I know a number of people are also like people who identify as more submissive and they're like, you know, I'm submissive, so I don't really like to initiate sex. I want to wait for them to do it. But you can do it as a submissive person again, just like. Show up in your little school girl outfit and bend over and slap your ass and bam, they know <laughs> you just initiated sex. You know, or the whole like old show up at the door with nothing but a trench coat on, open the trench coat. You just initiate sex again. And there's so many ways to do it that aren't. Um, I want to fuck you. You know, there's it's this anything's limit, and and those things are important. They're really really important for people because it's not just making them feel want desired in the, as sexual beings. It's speaking to their overall worthiness too, and they want it from their partners so much. So let's say that we're, we're not we're not talking about two people in a relationship. We're talking about two people meeting each other. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to get your perspective on how people can, I mean, and it might be, seem obvious to um, all you emotionally intelligent <laughs> listeners out there, um, but around what's happening right now in the Me Too movement, mm, in yeah. the culture, um, and like how we can be sexual beings in respectful ways. Yeah, um, it's tricky. It is tricky. You know, yeah. we've, we've talked about... Um, on in past uh, episodes about like being ravished, yeah, you know, masculinity, like masculinity, yeah. femininity. Like, how do we? Um, 
how do we be healthy yeah. sexual beings in society? Yeah. It's, it's hard. There's a lot of, a lot going on and a lot of it is, is, I mean, it's really important what's, what's happening there. And, um, and I think one really, really big thing is people are terrible at listening. People are so bad at listening and people are bad at also speaking up with their boundaries and their truth too. That, that's one thing. Um, but people are terrible at listening to, um, the, the verbal cues to the nonverbal cues and where the people are moving so fast and so caught up in their own agenda of what it is that they want or think that they should do or have or be that their subconscious knows that there's a message. This is wrong. This is, they don't want this. This isn't feeling good, but they override it because they're moving so fast and just like, just taking, taking, taking. I think that if people really slowed the fuck down, whether you're dating or you're just trying to make new friends or you're in a partnership or whatever, but if you just slowed down and really paid attention to what was in front of you, their verbal cues, and not everyone um, has those skills. You can learn those skills unless, I don't know, some people can't like Asperger's makes it a little hard to read, but um I think if we slowed down and really, really learned how to listen and pay attention, see the being in front of you. And you know of the levels of listening. Probably not everyone does, but um, there's different levels of listening. So there's level one listeners or I'm talking to you right now, but you're just hearing your own story about what I'm saying to you, about how it relates to you. So those are also known as shitty listeners, but that's how most people are listening. Um, there's level two, which is I'm talking to you and you're hearing what I'm saying. You're having a conversation with me about it. You're, you're taking it in. You're not making it all about you. You're asking me questions where we're actually relating. Level, and most people are going between one and two. Level three is you're hearing what I'm saying and you're also feeling with me. You're feeling for me. You're watching my body language. You're understanding what I'm going through and you're really feeling with that. And um, if we all spent more time there, uh, then... Wait, what did you say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kyle's like, I just caught a fish in the head today. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes. And he just... <laughs> it's like that, that scene of the Simpsons where it's like Marge is like Homer are you even listening to me and it What's goes his in brain? it's like donuts it, it's like uh, a, oh, mo- monkey? a monkey yes. with tambourines <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just gotta blank yes Marge yeah if, if we spent more time there though in listening and feeling with or for the person I don't think it would be possible to miss the cues of miss the, the things that people are really wanting, desiring or saying. And I mean, and that's a whole other thing. And then there's like the communication issues of, um, so there's one component of how can we listen and not just listen through the words, but get out of our own way and listen to what the, what, what the person really wants in front of us. And then also speaking our boundaries really clearly, because a lot of what's happening in the Me Too movement is um, is conditioning that has happened from society that has told spe- people a lot of more, more so women that they um, that they don't want to be too much. They don't want to be hysterical. If they speak up, they're not going to get you know the job, or they're going to no one's going to believe them. Um, and that's like there's so much we need to do about that. And uh, we need to raise children to to speak their their truth and their boundaries. You know, don't make your kids go and hug Uncle Robert if they don't want to hug Uncle Robert. Tell them they get to choose and it, that they have a choice for that. And if they get a no, then they get to honor their no. And it's okay to speak your no. And this is how you speak your no. And as adults, if you didn't have the upbringing, now you can start practicing. My mom loves to tell a story about uh, how I used to be as a little kid. 
I was a pissed off little kid, by the way. You were? I hated being little. Oh, you wanted to be big. I wanted to be big. I wanted to be big very quickly. Like, I, like <laughs> we drive by Galt Elementary School I when I was like three years old. And I remember I was like, uh, there, my mom tells a story about how um, she said, I was like, how old do you need to be to go to Galt? And she's like, oh, you need to be five, honey. I was like, I'm three. I can't wait to go to gold. <laughs> but she said also on touching, like I would like strangers would touch me and that, you know how people will pinch little kids uh-huh. cheeks. She said, I would smack, smack them. And say, <laughs> Don't touch me. Awesome. Empowering. And they were like, Oh my God, your yeah. kid is so <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's and right. Yeah, don't my touch mom him. would be like, yeah, don't, don't fucking touch him. Yeah. He doesn't want to be touched. When I was a kid, when I was like four or five, I was at, um, the grocery store in the front, you know, the little little seat for the kid. And my mom, this is what I remember is that she was like walked like two feet away to grab something. And a guy walked by, some like European dude walked by, looked at me, gave me this weird smile and just lightly brushed my cheek. And she looked up and looked at me and I knew that like my, my body knew that that wasn't okay. I was only like four or five and I started bawling because my system was like, holy shit, that was not cool. But I don't even know what that means or why that happened. But like my deeper inner wisdom was like not cool. And my mom picked me up, ran up to him and just like chewed him a new one out. Was that what? Chewed him a new one? Chewed him out. That's what you say in uh, the middle of the grocery store. Like, don't you ever ever touch a little girl like that you don't ever you don't get to touch kids that are not i mean you, you don't get to touch whatever she said she's like that's not cool yeah so i want to ask you about this um before we wrap up because yeah. um i mentioned before i recently did a podcast with a guy named adam rapogel who's a foreign pro surfer and on the podcast yeah, he yeah. came out about um having been molested when he was 12 years old and it turned into this big media thing um yeah i'm so happy you did that that you outed it yeah, I think so too. Fuck that shame. How do we, um, how do we recover from events like that? Like you know, a lot, of, a lot in the media I mean, or in the Me Too event or Me Too movement, um, it's it's really uh, you know, it's around recovery. It's around mm-hmm. wo- women who have had traumatic experiences, and in this case, it was a man who's had a traumatic experience. Um, how do we move past that? Yeah, it's not a matter of like brushing under the rug or pretending like it didn't happen. That doesn't help anyone. But I think the outing uh, outing of it is the first step because first first step is admitting to yourself, of course, that that happened and like acknowledging that. Second step would be the outing of it because that's what you know. In Brene Brown's work, um, she talks about shame and shame thrives in silence and secrecy, and it dies in empathy. And so, outing it into a safe source, you know, what his name's Adam Adam outed it to you felt safe and then in turn to the rest of the world um, which is a very very bold move and a lot of people that that might be um a big step so um you can find a therapist or someone that loves you and your vulnerability you know someone that you can cry to and be angry in front of and all that and they still love you um to, to out that and all of a sudden when you out it just like what adam did it probably has a lot less of a hold on him and that still usually isn't enough sometimes it can be for people but it depends on how deep it is um and so after outing it then it's um, d- depending on how intense it is, you know, a lot of it, like I was talking about the Hakomi practice is getting with, a um, this, in this case, you'd want a therapist, you know, s- you know, sex and relationship coaches such as, as myself, we're not working on deep childhood trauma, um, but sex therapists, you know, people that have are, or, or just therapists in general, they don't have to be related to sex to work on sexual trauma. Um, 
the, you want one that isn't just going to pretend like they're your journal. You want someone that is going to give you that missing experience, that safety, you know, that love that you didn't get when that shitty stuff happened to you. And there's a lot of therapeutic practices that you can do, but what, what the, what the hope is, is you come to a place where it's not that the thing never happened to you. It's not that you don't remember it anywhere. We're not trying to forget it because it's a part of your life and we can't run from it. It happened and we have to um, have create room for that. But what we want is for it to not control us or cause pain anymore. Um, my mom would be a great example. She had a lot of sexual trauma that she's really open with or open about. And she did a lot of really intense EMDR therapy, which is rapid eye movement therapy sessions. Thing moves in front of your eyes while you recall the stories of the trauma, like very detailed, you know, like what were you wearing and how, what, how did they touch you and things like that. And now it's that thing happened, but she just doesn't feel pain anymore. It was really painful to revisit. Um, she was in pieces for a, a number of months and now the associate, the brain's association with the story has shifted. And I know that ayahuasca and things can help with that too. I'm a big, big fan of if it's a really deep trauma, get a human body, you know, a human person to help you. Don't just rely on, um, you know, plant medicines or books to help you. Uh, but there's, there's all these ways. And I th- do think that unloading the shame of what Adam did, I think that's everything really highly of that. And the way he did it was badass. But I think that that really is a really important first step. How do we understand perpetrators better? There, this is something yeah. most people don't want to do. They're like, the fucking, yeah, fuck that they burn them in hell, yeah. you know, the, to throw, throw them in prison, yeah. to throw the key away. Like how? I and I'm not saying that that we need to um, allow these people to live in in our world, yeah. you know. And I, I think that there are certain people who shouldn't be able to um, yeah, operate in in society anymore. But I, I'm try, given my trying to figure everything out kind of yeah. <laughs> mind. How do like, we do this? Yeah, like yeah. I, I have a lot of like curiosity, like what causes people to molest others they're hurt too i mean everyone they're they're you you can look at anyone that is angry or mean or hurtful you know the bullies on the playground playground to the molesters those people are hurt little kids that are they're acting out on something that happened to them and they're just it's this toxin that is in them that was something happened to them or was given to them that was never theirs and now they're making the wrong choice by carrying it on by giving it to someone else. And so I don't think that you need to be like, oh, yeah, it's cool. They were hurt, too. So I'm just going to like, you know, let them off. Yeah, I'm trying to make that distinction. Yeah, you don't have to do that. But we can say there's there's room for both here. There's room for compassion for I have compassion for the fact that that person's probably really hurt and scared and um, has a lot of trauma themselves. And I still don't fucking like them. And I still don't want them in my life. And I still don't want them on this earth. You know, I, I, when I work with my clients and they have sexual trauma, they do go through shame about that. They hate that. They hate that person so much. And so what I, and what one of my mentors has taught me is to create room. We always, our brains want to say one or the other, right? It's like, it's either hate or compassion, but we can have both. We can see them in that light of like, wow, something terrible must've happened to you. And that's why you're carrying on the pain and the toxicity and giving it to someone else because you don't know how to deal with it. And it's still not okay. 
that can still be there. And all of a sudden it can make things a little lighter, a little easier. And it can also help with anger and resentment and but I don't think that we should just choose love and, you know, like, fuck that. Yeah, that's not being honest. Yeah. So we're simplifying it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, compassion is such important medicine. Whether Even outside, you know, let's, let's bring it back to a happy subject here. Let's bring compassion into relationships, into good, strong, healthy relationships. But your partner is being a little son of a monkey. You know, I like that term. I could say son of a bitch here. Uh, son of a monkey. They're being a son of a monkey. They're being yeah. an asshole, right? You're like, why are you being such a fucking asshole right now in that moment you could actually just get triggered and start being an asshole yourself like fuck it you're being an asshole or you could look at them as like oh this is your hurt little kid coming out right now the reason why you're snapping at me or belittling me or yelling at me about something like the milk carton that i left only one sip in in the fridge the almond milk you know because we're in santa cruz (laughs) (laughs) instead of me looking at you like you're the attacker or you're a bad person, I can say, all right, this is your hurt little person right now that's coming out. You're, this is your inner, inner hurt child, and we can hold that compassion for them and work with them in that way. And it can be really, really powerful in relationships. So, Fucking beautiful. Hell yeah, we're all just a whole bunch of hurt little kids. Yeah, but <laughs> there is time to also play and right. enjoy it. And that's, that brings us back to play. Kids yeah. just want to play. That's the point. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you talk about s- something consistently that I really like. It's like, we're hurt, but we're not broken. Yeah. Like, no one's broken. Yeah. Yeah. Some like, people just have a lot of work to do, but no one's broken. Totally. And, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you beat a few hundred million other sperm to make yeah, it to that Yeah, you're a egg. badass. Yeah, you're a fucking gangster. Yeah. You so enjoy swimmer. this life. Don't settle and... Do the work and then don't forget to play. Yeah. Um, where can people get in touch with you? You got your own podcast, yeah. which I highly recommend everyone check out. Yes, it is called Shameless Sex. Um, obviously, very shameless I am. I, I actually uh, co-host it with another person who is my best friend and in, in sex toy industry partner um, in, in crime. Her name is April. So Shameless Sex, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and then you can find us on our website at shamelesssex.com. And you can also email us at sh- shameless sex podcast at gmail.com i think those are the best ways um from there you can find all of our links to social media and all that jazz thank you so much yeah woo! thanks kyle don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more and for 15 percent off of some of our favorite sex toys use coupon code shamelesspp in all caps at purepleasureshop.com